a new way to uh, celebrate. Uh, this is probably the first Easter we've all done an online service, uh, which is quite exciting. And uh, I hope that today will be um, encouraging, real encouraging to all of you. I'm going to say hello to just a few folks uh, that have chimed in. Um, uh, Drew is there. Hey, Drew. Corey from Moncton, New Brunswick. Thank you for jumping in. Uh, Samuel Scrub. Haha, I know who you are. <clears throat> Wayne Cheater. Great to see you. Six String G Man. I forget who you are. You got to tell me. Wayne. I'm Becky McKay. Yay. That's awesome. Karen Bergman. Terrell's there. Howard from BC. So we got. East Coast, we got West Coast, and then we have Alex. Uh, and thanks for responding to my email, Alex. Uh, great to see you. They're from Ottawa. They've been part of Hope Fellowship for a while now. And I, Alex, I hope you and your wife will join in on one of our Zoom calls. We'd love to meet you. Uh, it's way overdue, so that's really cool. Um, all right. Uh, this morning, I'm trying something different. I'm using a different program. And I'm really hoping this works because it, it seems to be working and I'm excited about this. Uh, there's some really cool ways that uh, I can share graphics with you and uh, play around the screen. So today's a day of learning, multitasking. This is where ADHD will become a spiritual gift. Ha! Um, I came across some photos this week that I thought were quite profound. Two of them I want to share with you. Um, this first one is a... Uh, I've never seen that before, but that is a stunning image of, um, yeah, our times right now and how Christ is present in our current day and age. I love that picture. Um, I'll post it if you want it, but that's, that's a good one. This next one is going to blow your mind. Maybe not you, but it sure blew my mind away, uh, especially when you dig deeper into the meaning of what's in this. Do you remember Timothy Schmaltz? He just emailed me some updated pictures. It's too late for me to add them, but I cropped some pictures from a video he posted uh, today. He just finished an Easter sculpture today. Uh, so I want to share this with you. Uh, it's a profound one. Uh, I'm going to zoom myself out of the screen here. I'm just going to hide. a video of uh, a sculpture that was completed today, this morning. Um, let me play. Can I get this right? Yes. So what I was showing you was this image of, of uh, Jesus and the umbilical cord of this baby. You can. Uh, I tried to show it with you without me in the screen, but then my voice cut out. But this was just finished this morning. Um, he, Timothy Schmaltz sent me some photos about five minutes ago, but I already started the live stream, so it was too late to add them in of his finished work. But what a profound piece of art right today where we are a new creation. The world has been birthed. We are new in Christ. The humanity was taken to Christ. We died with Christ, and we've been risen with Christ. Profound. Um, so anyway, hopefully you can hear me now. Can you hear me now? Somebody say you can hear me now because I'm getting these messages here. Um, and again, it's a 30 second delay. So 
Let me get into some uh, fun stuff here. Let's get into some celebrations. We've got some birthdays coming up. Uh, Gordon Melville, uh, a happy birthday to you. Uh, really cool. Um, just a second, I'm going to listen, look for a text in case somebody's warning me. Uh, hang on. Give me one second. YouTube. Oh. This is uh see, I'm no longer a pastor. I'm an IT specialist. <laughs> and use the link. Somebody's trying to uh, uh, join in and got the address, the website wrong. That's what it's going to be like all morning. Okay, so uh, Gordon Melville. Um, happy birthday to you, Dom. Dom, I think he's turning 17. So that's really cool, Dom. Happy birthday to you. Uh, Carol, I hope you're watching. Uh, Dave and Carol. Uh, Daniel Premier, your birthday is coming up on the 16th. Uh, and I'm so sad you guys are moving away. The whole Premier family is moving to London end of this month. So they'll be gone in two weeks. Uh, Robin Reger, big hello and happy birthday to you. Uh, Dave and Carol Brooks, today, or sorry, on the 15th will be their 53rd anniversary. So make sure you give them a call, an email or something. Um, that is fantastic. I'm getting your notes now of sound being good. So that's great. Um, but give them a quick email or if you're going to phone, keep it really short. Carol's having a hard time uh, putting energy into phone calls. So uh, we need to be conscious of that. Uh, a couple of announcements. Uh, hey, is everyone doing okay? Um, I've noticed that in the last couple of weeks, we're in our fourth week now of this kind of isolation, uh, physical distancing, stay home movement that for our sake, um, uh, emotions go, they go up and they go down. And some days you're great. Other times if not, I think the front end people found that, um, it's easy to uh, uh, find a quick, cool plan and get all your stuff done. And then it's suddenly the third day and you go, wait a minute, now what? So it's, I know it's hard. So uh, if you're short anything, you need something, uh, I've got hand sanitizer if somebody's out. Um, so please let me know. Um, and yeah, just email. Use communication of email. That would be really helpful. Check in on your neighbors. Call people you haven't called for a while to see how they're doing. Um, check your, your physical neighbors who live around you. Um, even if you've never met them, probably a good time to meet them and, and see if they're okay. Uh, do it from a distance. Um, also, I was in an email that I sent out this week, I was asking for permission to um, uh, share phone numbers. Some individuals at Hope Fellowship said, I don't have so-and-so's phone number. And I can't send out the whole list because that's not fair. If you have a photo directory, you've got the list and phone numbers are in there, but not everybody has that. So if you can email me, um, your, just respond to the email. A number of you have, thank you. I haven't responded to you, um, but just thank you for that and just reply and say, hey, uh, I'm, uh, just let me know you're able to uh, uh, share the number if somebody asks. Next, we've got, oh yeah, at the end of the email, I sent you a bunch of links. I sent you the... Uh, um, open table conference that was done on Facebook. I put them on my YouTube for now. Uh, hopefully they will put them on their YouTube and then I'll delete mine right away. Um, but some of our folks who do not have Facebook can't watch them. So I, I put, uh, put them unlisted on, uh, and I put the links in that email that I sent out to all of you. Uh, there's also some, uh, 
uh, links to the Grace and Grieving Conference we had here. If you wanted to rewatch that, I've got all the links and interviews uh, reposted there. There's some extra link. There's some kids curriculum links that was uh, uh, shared with us. So if you've got some great resources that you want to share with us that are shareable, I will occasionally send them out and put them down in the bottom of that email section. Uh, online every week, join us Sunday mornings, just like we are today. And uh, it's pretty cool. Um, just kind of the way we're doing it. Uh, Wednesday morning, if you're able to join us for the GOMA online teaching, the GOMA stands for Global Online Ministry Alliance. It's a collection of teachers who know their identity in Christ. Not everybody teaches the same stuff, but we're really pretty much in sync on most things. Um, but I do a live thing every 8 a.m. on Wednesday, and I'm probably going to do another group one this week. Last week, I brought in um, uh, an individual, and the week before, I had a whole group of like eight people, and that was a lot of fun. So please join in. If you're around, you can watch it later. It stays online. Uh, Friday morning, um, Grounds and Grace. This is the Zoom group, so please join in. Yep, Zoom link will be sent in the weekly email. Um so yeah, you can join in on that. That's a Hope Fellowship connection. And again, this is where if you're part of Hope Fellowship, please join in. I'd love to, to have you there. Um, uh, it's just a great time to connect and update. Uh, spontaneous groups. Uh, last week, I sent out a, a list of times we were going to meet. We had a very small group on Saturday night. That was fun. Um, and then on this Tuesday night, we're having a, a Zoom group as well. So this is kind of just whoever needs to connect and say hello. It's really, really cool um, uh, to um, uh, just see each other's faces and chat. So anyway, that's cool. I hope you'll uh, join in on those. Offering, um, if we could have our ushers please come forward. Ha! Just kidding. Um Thank you for those who are supporting. Um, we need it. It's it's a tough time. And for those who can't, no problem. There's no pressure. And I love that. Um, but thank you for those that are. There's a couple ways you can support and give. Some of you still have jobs and are just fine. Please support. Be generous with what you got if you could. Um, those who have lost income, take a break. Uh, this is God's church, not ours. I get it. But um, this is our. Uh, this is a church family where we, if you're not free not to give, you're not free to give in a sense. So uh, please uh, find a way to do that. There's the uh, online donation email. You can e-transfer. Uh, there's a link on the Hope Fellowship website. Anyway, that's, that's one way to do it. Um, I'm now going to share some music with you. We've got uh, uh, two vi short videos of Hope Fellowship folks just sharing a song. You can sing along if nobody's around, or if you as a group can, or a family that can actually do that, go for it. Um, I'm going to show Terrell. Uh, um, uh, he's going to do our first song, and I'm going to bow out while he uh, does his song. All right, here we go.
cross Every debt is paid I stand in victory The curse of sin and shame are done And death was overcome The day he came for me
I really like that. Thank you. Thank you, Terrell, for uh, preparing a song like that. And thank you, Simon and Lori. Um, again, Lori and Simon were singing in the sanctuary here at uh, St. James Lutheran. Wow. It just sounds beautiful. All right. Let's do some testing. Oops, wrong way. Um, this morning, uh, I want to bring some good news. Imagine that. Good news. So, um, I'm going to try and uh, share a message of hope with you that is powerful. I want to begin with two things. First, I um, uh, invite you guys to feel free to comment in the sections. Now, I, I realized from somebody who uh, tried to watch through Facebook, we put a link on Facebook for everybody, but it only comes st streaming to YouTube for today. I wanted to see how it works because this program I'm using, which seems to be easier to use uh, for just one person running everything, um, uh, to run it through Zoom to Facebook is harder. And so anyway, we're trying this. This is, again, we're testing. You you do know this is all new for all of us. So I hope you're patient with me and uh, trying to figure all this tech stuff out. It's uh, a learning curve. <laughs> so anyway, feel free to comment in the sections. Um, I will repost this uh, edited um, on uh, Facebook later. So, and on YouTube, this shortened version, um, but it'll be kind of fun. And again, if you're uh, watching, uh, tell us where you're watching from. We'd love to hear that. And let's get into some good news. All right. This is a, a quote I read a couple of years ago. I love it. It's uh, Chuck Colson. He says, I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had been, they'd seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put into prison. They would not have endured that if, they, if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? absolutely impossible. <laughs> I love that. Uh, very powerful image of uh, um, some, you know, thoughtful, you know, um, evidence that, uh, hey, this is one way to see Christ really did rise from the dead. Um, I think it's really cool. This next clip I want to show you uh, comes from the uh, resurrection in Narnia. Um, if you remember the story of uh, the, uh, Aslan dying on the stone table, so he has now died, and this is the resurrection clip I wanted to share at the start of today's resurrection service, Resurrection Sunday. I think you'll like it. Here we go.
Saslan. What have they done? Sacrifice. She might have interpreted the deep magic differently. That when a willing victim who has committed no treachery is killed in a traitor's stead, the stone table will crack, and even death itself would turn backwards. We sent the news that you were dead. Peter and Edmund will have gone to war. We have to help them. We will, dear one, but not alone. Climb on my back. We have far to go, and little time to get there. And you may want to cover your ears. <laughs> Uh, that was good. <laughs> you may want to cover your ears. <laughs> oh, my. I tell you, the resurrection story is portrayed in many different ways. Uh, I love that one. And I love how he said... Um, um, uh, even death is reversed and that's, that's the Jesus we say we believe in. All right. Easter. I want to do a quick, uh, look at the Easter weekend and just recap a couple pieces of good news that I think are really important for us to know. Uh, we've had a lot of new people, um, connect with hope fellowship, uh, over the last year or two. And, I want Easter to be a good new Sunday. And there's some predominant themes that are constantly taught every single Easter by all kinds of churches. I grew up with certain messages and it just got, it just got ingrained. And I realized that, no, wait a minute, we've got a, a message of hope. And there's some myths that I have stopped believing because I found a better perspective and I'm not alone. This is not just one guy. This is a whole bunch of people. This is historical uh, foundational truth from the early church fathers who saw this. And so I never knew that. And so now it's fun to share good news. So I want to take a look at a couple of things. We're going to try and go as quickly as we can because um, I want to keep the time not as long. So I want to talk about a better story today, a better perspective on what happened over Easter. I want to take a look at the two crowds first from uh, Palm Sunday to crucify, crucify him. Some people think, well, how could, you know, that it be a different crowd? Uh, people said it was the same crowd. Well, let's, let's, have a, let's have a look at this. On Palm Sunday, Jesus arrived to a cheering crowd, but the religious leaders couldn't suppress them. A few times it says they feared the crowds. This, this is what the leaders thought. So there was a cheering group. Uh, there were two types of people in the crowds. There was religious leaders and there were the normal people. Uh, and then it goes, it gets, I'll, in a moment, I'll share with you three different types of people in those crowds. Why is this important to know? It's important to know because if you think people are that fickle and change their minds so quickly, uh, and they do, but not in this story. Let's give some more evidence of why it's not the same crowd. Time of day matters. The large crowd that arrested Jesus was made up of leaders and guards. This is really important to remember. And when did they do it? At night. They arrested Jesus at night. And by the way, that's why they needed Judas. 
They needed Judas to give him a kiss on the cheek. It wasn't like they had LED lights in the park or in their garden. They had flashlights and hey, zoom a uh, you know picture in his or a flashlight in his face. This is the guy. No, no, no. It was it was dark. It was a garden. They didn't have you know um, uh, rechargeable lights, the solar lights. That's it. You know nothing like that. So they needed Judas there. That's that's why they got him to do the betrayal. Um, also, the court began at dawn. That's when court started. Here in in our world, we start court at like nine o'clock, ten o'clock, eleven, or if it you know whatever. It's very different. Um, something else: the leaders that gathered in, had gathered in secret and conspired to plot all night. They were up plotting, plotting, arguing. This was a make it or break it time for all these different sects of leaders. Uh, really important to know that. The location is important. The actual space where the trial was held, it can only hold so many people. Um, uh, in all the movies of Jesus of Nazareth, we see uh, all the crowds cheering. And again, maybe that's where we get some of our image problems, that the crowd that cried, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, are now saying crucify and crucify him. But even, even in, the in the show, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, one person starts to yell Jesus. It might even been Mary. I don't know. But then somebody snuffs her out and shuts her up uh, or drowns her out, however it happens. So the actual space where this judgment happened was too small for everybody to be there. How do we know this? Well, again, crucifixion, the crucifixion started around 9 a.m. 9 a.m. So what were you doing at 9 a.m.? What are some people doing at 9 a.m. right now? Still sleeping. That's right. The crowds wept as they discovered what was happening. The people were still sleeping and waking. They were having breakfast. There wasn't a, uh, a Twitter message sent out. There wasn't a text message. There wasn't an email sent out. There wasn't a radio station declaring, hey, this Jesus is going to die. None of that happened. <laughs> it had to be word of mouth. And people were running and telling. And as people were waking and hearing this news, as people were running through the camps of all these visitors that were coming in Jerusalem, it was too late. And suddenly now the crucifixion was beginning. In Luke 23, 27, massive crowds gathered to follow Jesus, including a number of women who were wailing with sorrow over him. This was happening in the morning. The people, there were three types of groups of people in the crowd. First, the local Judeans who were suspicious of Jesus, the Galileans who followed him, and the visitors from outside Judea who did not know Jesus was uh, who he was at all. So this is this is important to know. Uh, also within the crowd from Judea were people who saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. That's that. That's why there was so much whoop whoop yay going on. Hallelujah, Hosanna! Here comes the King of the Jews, our Savior, who's going to save us from the Romans. But they saw the miracle of Lazarus. So there were people who had witnessed all this, and now to see. This one who rose Lazarus from the dead on his way to his crucifixion, they were devastated. The statement often read, this is from people today, and this is the section of what I'm talking about. The crowd that cried Hosanna on Palm Sunday ended up crying crucify him on Good Friday. That statement is simply not true. It cannot be true. If you take a look at historical evidence, uh, it'll really, really help you. It was a it was primarily the Jerusalem Jews influenced by the priests who asked for his blood. Um, this next text, you can't read the bottom part. Uh, I was going to pull myself out of the screen for this, but uh, I can't now. So I'll just read it for you. 
Um, it says, uh, this is taken from the historic, historian Paul Meyer's book, In the Fullness of Time. Here's his quote. To be sure, some people may have changed their minds about Jesus, but the shouting multitude in front of Pilate's tribunal consisted primarily of the priest-controlled temple staff. Their police alone numbered 10,000, whereas some of the Palm Sunday people were just now getting the news about Jesus' conviction and rushing to the roadside in tears as in this scene. Less than 5% of that number would have been more than enough to crowd into Pilate's courtyard and serve as a speech chorus of condemnation directed by Caiaphas and the priestly aristocracy of Jerusalem. This is really important to know. So the whole idea of it being two different crowds, it was not the same crowd. Some people never even thought that. Said, oh, I never thought of that. That's okay. Somebody has. And uh, I, I hate it when an absolute thing is being presented as absolute when there's another menu item and I'm presenting another menu item that I think, I think it makes more sense to me. I, anyway, I'm, I'm encouraging you to think and study for yourself. Uh, the next concept that uh, Easter brings up is this, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Listen, humans are strangely obsessed with a concept of separation. Dualism is another word. We're gonna, I'm going to do a message or a series on dualism, what it is and how it affects our thinking here in the Western world. Um, but this whole idea of Jesus being separated from the Father is fueled by uh, an atonement theory called penal substitution, which I'm going to cover at another time, not today. Um, but this whole idea, and by the way, penal substitution has to do with God punishes the crap out of Jesus and ha, ah, there I let out my wrath on my son. And uh, I, I don't think that happened at all. I think is a much better story, a much better way to understand the scriptures and what atonement really means at one minute. Um, so back to this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This has been used as a proof text that God turned his back on Jesus. Um, and I want to kind of run through this really quick because I think this can mess up our concept of who we think God is. That's why I'm doing this. I think many individuals have a, um, uh, well, everyone has an incomplete concept of who they think God is. None of us has it right. The goal is to be teachable and open and realize we have much to learn about this God that we say we believe in. And it's not as clean and crisp and tidy as Sunday school and all the answers we received in Sunday school. Those are helpful for shaping, but we need to come to a place where we think for ourselves and reason and, and wrestle with concepts. I remember uh, when I was 18 coming home from a youth group where the pastor preached the hell out of everybody. And uh, I, I was struggling with this concept of, well, if God's so absolutely loving, how can he send people to hell? How can somebody who just for not believing goes to hell? How can somebody who just stole a cookie go to hell? Um, all those kinds of things. I was up really late wondering that. It didn't sit right, but that's what I was told it was. So I believed it. I had to. I had to toe the line because been, it had been packaged so well, I couldn't question it. Because obviously the pastor knew more than me. <laughs> well, here's some of the blessing of the internet. Um, there's a lot more exposed um, you can study for yourself. You can hear opposing views fully and come to your own conclusion about things. And it's okay. 
Um, I think my God is big enough to handle the wrestlings of a person who's doubting who he is based on the concept that God is far away when you're bad and really close when you're good and on, on, or if you don't even believe he exists. I think our understanding will continue to expand. But when you don't think God is safe enough to be near you when you need him, like Jesus on the cross who needed his father, I want to unpack this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27, 46, it says this in the New American Standard Bible. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or in the Aramaic, it would say, abandon me. Uh, that's where this is coming from. So if you're trying to figure out um, what, what are you talking about, that's where it is. There are seven key sayings on the cross that we hear Jesus say. Uh, things like, uh, um, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Into your hands I commit my spirit. It's finished. All these phrases, these last things that Jesus said on the cross are really, really important. Why Jesus was not abandoned or forsaken, here's my argument. First of all, I don't believe the Trinity can be separated. I think it's impossible. So to say Jesus turned his back and separated himself from his son, I think anyone who says God did turn his back on his son already believes in separation and does not see the Trinity as one. They see it as three separate deities. Um, and then somebody will argue, yeah, but you can't explain the mind of God. Well, that's nice. But there's enough in Scripture to say there's a union and a oneness between the Father, Son, and Spirit, and we're also in that oneness. So I, I think that is a big point to be made, that Jesus did not, it was not abandoned or forsaken at the cross. Uh, in John 10.30 says, the Father and I are one. There's a oneness that comes from the book of John. And then 2 Corinthians 5.19, uh, it says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against us. Ah, okay. Um, Lori asked in the, in, the, in the comments, so what does that image mean, the statue? I think this is it. I think this is the whole point of that statue of that Timothy Schmaltz had. He reconciled the world to himself. And there's he's on the cross, but the world's attached with an umbilical cord as a baby being reborn. Oh my goodness, what a powerful image. Oh my goodness, yeah. I didn't see that coming. That was cool. Yeah. So anyway, the Trinity cannot be separated. Number two, I believe Jesus was quoting Psalm 22. And I think almost every scholar will agree that there's a connection to Psalm 22. Uh, so here's what it says in verse 24 of Psalm 22. Jesus cry, by the way, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, was the first line of the song of David, Psalm 22, which is recorded. And later in verse 22, it now says, he did not hide his face from him, but listened when he cried to him for help. This is one of the three messianic psalms of the crucifixion, 22, 23, and 24. So uh, again, I, I think he's quoting the psalm here. Let's go, let's go a little further. Um, why was he quoting Psalm 22? I have a couple thoughts. Uh, I don't have the absolute answer for this. I have a, a hunch, and there's some, some hunches give me much more peace. That Yeah, that makes total sense. And again, having discussed this with many people, um, who have studied this, uh, I'm going to offer some suggestions. I think it's three of them. It might only be two. Oh, two. It says two. So first, uh, why would he quote Psalm 22? I think he may have felt the darkness. He may have felt blind. He may not have felt his father near him, but deep inside, he, he still knew his identity. Okay. He knew who he was. So he had to verbalize it. I don't know about you and I, but sometimes we verbalize 
uh, in the time of fear, God help me. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm okay. I'm okay. You know what I mean? We sometimes do that and there's value to it. So here he may have felt the darkness and the weight of sin and was reminding himself that he was not abandoned because he knew in Psalm 22, he would not be abandoned. I think just like in the garden, he was very aware of God's presence as he prayed. I think the same thing here. He was very aware that God must be there, even though he may not have felt it as the darkness and blindness was closing in on him. Very likely. Number two, um, I think uh, he was probably declaring that the prophecy of Psalm 22 was happening at that very moment. It may have been both. I think it could have been both. But I love this concept that um, he was he was connecting the dots for his hearers. Here he is hanging on the cross in front of all the religious leaders who were just so glad he's going to be dead. And they're going to watch every last minute until he's totally dead. They're not letting this one get away. And sure enough, he's hearing and he sees them and they see him and they hear him. And so he's declaring this prophecy. Psalm 22, my God, my God. They knew exactly what song that was. You know, if I, uh, if I start the uh, beginning of a song, somebody will know the rest of it. Or you begin a chorus, you'll sing along because everybody knows it. Well, this is the same way with the Jews. Psalm 22, my God, my God. Everybody starts to sing, why have you forsaken me? They knew it. It was not new. So that's kind of cool. All right, next. Um, and here's a reason why I don't think Jesus was abandoned or forsaken. So there is three. Huh? Um, first of all, sometimes we say that God can't look at sin. And this comes from um, Habakkuk uh, 1.13. But I'm going to say God can, okay? He totally can handle sin. Some people, have you said it? I've said it to people. You better watch what you do. God can't handle sin. You know, it's so offensive to him. He turns his back on sin. Well, hang on. If Jesus himself, Trinity, Son of God, didn't turn his back on sin, but became sin, that should tell you something. Yep. Gary just says that we often cry it the same way, wondering why God has abandoned us, but he never does. That's the point. That's the point of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God can look on sin. It's not the other way around. Let me show you this verse. In Habakkuk 1.13, New American Standard Bible, context matters. Listen to this. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. And they stop there. They stop there and they declare that's what God's like. He's so holy, he can't handle all this. Well, keep reading. This is called context. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those who are more righteous than they? Habakkuk's the one asking the question, not God. It's Habakkuk who had the incomplete perspective on who God was. Again, I wish I had this whole thing on the screen, but I can't. But listen to this. This is where good news comes in. This, this is like a crescendo. This will be the last verse I'm going to read today. Romans 8, 35 to 39. I'm leaving out verse 36. Uh, that's okay. It says this. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, will a virus, will distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is crazy good news. We have a victorious king, one who reigns and is involved in every aspect. It makes you want to shout hallelujah. Well, let's do that. Let's thank God for what he has done. I want to show you a, a really short clip. This is a, a song that was recently done, and uh, I think you'll, you'll love this. Just, just as a, a way to meditate on this verse that nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither height nor depth, angels or demons, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. Take a listen to this. Thank you, Simon. That was that was really cool. That's how we respond. Uh, does your heart cry out, hallelujah? Does it cry out, wow, God, you're good. You've been through my crap. You've been through my pain. You've been through my suffering. You've been through my abandonment. You've been through being misunderstood, and you still submitted. What's with that? Huh. This God we say we believe in is good. A better story. We're going to cover that next week. We're going to talk about the, uh, he appeared to women first. That was really cool. And then what happened to us? The story of Easter, what happened to us? When Jesus died, we died. When Jesus rose, we rose. We are a new creation, which is that statue from Timothy Schmaltz. A new creation. I think it's beautiful. Join us next week as we continue on with that. Um, I'll, and I'll read that Galatians 2.20 for you later because we're running out of time now. A better Easter story. Let's find more hope-filled perspectives. And I will say, Hope Fellowship family, you have contributed greatly to my understanding of who Jesus is as you share your perspectives with me as well. And I learn from you. I hope you learn from me as well. It's both ways. Continue to share links and perspectives and stories that uh, I may not have heard 
um, I'm teachable to those around me that have built trust around me. And I love that. So thank you for that. All right. We're going to wrap up today. A um, couple reminders just before we close up. Uh, don't forget to do your online donation for those that are part of Hope Fellowship and value this ministry and who we are. Uh, it helps us keep going. Um, Tuesday evening is the Zoom call. Check your email. There's a link there. And of course, Wednesday morning, the Goma Group, the Grounds of Grace on Friday. And let's close in a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, may your peace reign in each person today. May we learn to trust you and to feel you and hear your voice, especially on this Easter Sunday when each of us is alone in our own homes with our families or by ourselves. Remind us to be still and shout an alleluia or sing an alleluia to, to you today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you so much.